Welcome to BusinessWorks. This is Hal Alpiar, along with a very special guest I have with me today here in the studio for a the first, actually, of a three-part interview. And I will start this by saying that three years ago, this radio station podcast headquarters, uh, Stonecom, was one of 115 local business sponsors of a stage musical that raised money for Habitat for Humanity and Mustard Seed Ranch for at-risk children. The show and all the music in it was created by a wonderfully talented entrepreneur. The experience of that and two prior stage musicals, plus a lifetime of experience and creativity in literally scores of life interest areas, have now brought Valerie Connolly to the top of her life pursuit mountain, we think. And we, uh, we, we gonna, we're going to hear from her exactly w- what that's about. And we're going to start today to share with those of you who have never had the opportunity to go to the French Riviera and the Cannes Film Festival. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what that was like because we just got back from there. Uh, Valerie is my book publisher, by the way. She is also an author in her own right. She's an award-winning painter, an accomplished musician and songwriter, a stage performer. She is a patented inventor and widely recognized for her block printing designs. She's a retired French teacher and a world traveler who spent two years serving in the Peace Corps in West Africa. The mother of two life success daughters, one in Colorado, the other in Nashville, plus two sparkling grandchildren. Valerie is a 10-year resident of Cookville, Tennessee. She is my very dear friend, work associate, and companion. Valerie, welcome. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll know what to say in a minute because okay. I'm going to ask you some questions. So, nice to have you here. Um, and uh, that's this show. We're going to talk, start with the Cannes Film Festival. And then the next two uh, shows, we're going to explore some of the details of how Valerie, for example, <laughs> taught French full time in the daytime and performed in Chicago nightclubs at night and raised two wonderful daughters while overcoming many life hurdles. Well, we'll save that for shows two and three. For today, uh, we wanted to um, maybe share with you a little bit about what it was like. The Cannes Film Festival, people hear about it. Um, We never thought we'd see anybody there from the state of Tennessee, and it turns out there were quite a few. But um, in the process, I'm going to ask Valerie to explain how come we went there and what it is that she's doing that prompted that. And then maybe we can chat a little bit about what that experience was like. And she's giggling at me, but go ahead and maybe give us a little uh, flavor for this. Well, we went there because I wanted to have some true French croissant. (laughs) And beyond that, um, it was because I have a film which is now in pre-production stage. And the Cannes Film Festival is sort of the top of the mountain, as Hal likes to put it, uh, in the film world for festivals. There are literally hundreds, uh, maybe thousands of uh, film festivals all over the world. But the Cannes Film Festival is the one everybody wants to get a Palme d'Or from. And I want to just mention that, by the way, the E-S at the end is silent. So it's C-A-N-N-E-S. But I've learned from Valerie, who's the French teacher, we say Cannes. Correct. Okay. (laughs) Moving on. In Cannes, you see that the, the marché du film, or the film market, is exactly that. It's a giant 
trade show. I can't, it's akin to a giant car trade show, but they're selling movies. Movies that are partly in the can, partly unmade, partly Conceptual. ready to go. Some of them are finished and ready to be screened, and they get some screening there. And then, of course, there are the big-time films that everybody wants to see after the Cannes Film Festival. This year it was Rocket Man, which we didn't see there because you can't get in unless you know somebody who can get you in. And a lot of uh, the shows were were outside on the beach at night and it was raining. Yeah, <laughs> we had a lot of rain. That, and, and that's common at Cannes as well. But what's beautiful about Cannes is that it's on the Mediterranean and the sunny days were absolutely stunning with the harbor and the boats and all the crazy people running around everywhere. Um, but yeah, what we learned there. most of all, I think what I saw was uh, the best part for me was meeting other women filmmakers, all of them aspiring to bring the women's point of view to the world's awareness. Uh, women have, um, and this isn't a feminist thing at all, it's really just uh, we have a story to tell and we have a different viewpoint when we tell that story than a man would have. And it's a, it's sometimes a, a, a more gentle viewpoint. Sometimes it might be even stronger. But it's amazing how many women I met who are making films. And it made me feel like, uh-huh, this is where I should have been, I don't know, 50 years ago. And it's just a really wonderful, wonderful experience. Everyone is there to do their thing and to learn what it is you want to do. So Valerie has two stories. She has the, the film that she is making, um, and that's certainly first and foremost for her. However, Valerie's story about Valerie will, I mean, if you are an entrepreneur or you think like an entrepreneur, you're going to get goosebumps when you hear some of the uh, inspiring sense of determination that Valerie has and um, how she got to where she is and, and how this fits in with entrepreneurial instincts. Not everyone realizes that entrepreneurs are not made. They're kind of born. They have these instincts. But we're able to learn to think like entrepreneurs, and that, that's good for everyone in any sense of any sort of business and any stage of business. So whether you're thinking about starting one or taking the one you've got and doing better with it, this is this should be a very inspiring series, and we hope you'll stay tuned in for the next two shows as well as this one. Um, Valerie, when we were there, we we of course we had a terrific opportunity to um, take a, a drive through the Alps from Geneva south into southern France, and that was a great experience uh, all by itself. But then when we got there. What was the result, do you think, of the, the journey that we took to get there? I mean, how, how did you feel when we arrived and we, we were fortunate enough to have a place to stay and all of that? But what about the getting out onto the street with the film festival and the boats and all that stuff? Well, I felt that, um, of course, I've been to France many times, but this is a part of France I had not seen up close and personal. So it was wonderful to come down through the mountains, even though it was a sometimes harrowing trip. And we arrived late and couldn't find the house very easily in the dark. But we did find it, of course. But walking out onto the, uh, onto the, 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 the streets and seeing the cafes and all of that, and then the Mediterranean all by itself is just so magnificent. 
it was it was terrific. I can't say anything more than that. It's terrific. But it, from an entrepreneurial point of view, I learned one more mountain is ahead of me, and I, it would be really great to climb that one. And that's the Cannes Film Festival. And, and what did that experience lead you to in terms of forward motion with your original musical film? Well, love is dot dot dot. That's the name of it, right? Is uh, it's it's a seminal work for me. I've been in the music industry one way or another since Lord knows when. I joined ASCAP in 1987. And um, the the Cannes Film Festival draws me forward and makes me feel as though there's more. This isn't the end of this career. This is the beginning of this career. So I'm nowhere near the top of my own personal mountain. But as, a, as an entrepreneur... Um, there's a lot of risk taking that goes on and you have to plan your risks and you have to be unafraid to take risks, even if the consequence might be difficult for you. Can you give like a little example of what that? Well, my goodness. Um, oh, there's so many, uh, when I was a five-year-old and, and first had a lemonade stand, I stood on a corner (laughs) of a busy street. And people came and went and almost always stopped to buy a little cup of lemonade. So it's not just fictitious. that. No, and I'm, I'm not happy lemonade. that they've banned this <laughs> at practice because it is absolutely the, the genesis of my own entrepreneurism. I shared it with my daughters. They got to do the same thing. But th- that little moment in my early, early years led me to realize if I have a product that people want, I can earn a living, which is terrific. And it's not a risk to stand on that corner. Most people aren't going to drive off and run you down over the sidewalk. But my point is there's exhilaration with it as well. Every time somebody bought a cup for like a nickel, it was like, thank you very much. And it was a a training program where, uh, even at the age of five, I understood that value. And that has stood me in good stead all the way through. I've had several businesses, and there are times when you have to say to yourself, that business isn't going where you want it to go, and in your own estimation of the environment you're in, you probably can't make it. So what do you do to it? You have to adjust it. Well, We're coming up on break time here, and so we're going to come back with more from Valerie Connolly, and I hope that you will come back with us. So don't go away. The good stuff is yet to come. Welcome back to BusinessWorks. This is Hal Alpiar, along with our buddy here, Valerie Connolly, and Valerie is a a great example of entrepreneurship with her life and her pursuits, and we'd like to share that. Valerie, you are known as a very creative individual in many respects, and that's certainly true. But I know that you also have a lot of, um, oh, let's, uh, what do we call it, book learning and um, and some things that are not necessarily thought of as creative by many of us. But uh, you somehow were able to blend that all together. And did that seem to surface for you, those pieces, the creative and non-creative when we were in con and what, what did you get out of people you met there? Were, in other words, 
did that environment stimulate uh, just your creative senses or other things as well, a sense of practicality? Uh? Well, the thing about Khan is that it's everything. It's a business. It's really a business um, festival. It has nothing to do really with the stars and everybody that we see on the red carpet, really. That's the glitz and glam. That's that's what makes everybody want to spend over a thousand dollars a night for a hotel. <laughs> but the real the reality of of can, or let's say it right, con, is that um, it's a place where you go and do business. So if you have no business sense, you don't you don't even cue into that. When I walked into the Marché du Film, or the film market, I had my video cam with. And that was another great thing. Everybody was taking video cams, pictures of things. So I didn't feel out of place and nobody questioned it. And of one another. <laughs> well, that's right. And nothing nothing was more telling. You know, well, I can't wait to come back and have time to really look at the film that I gathered. But it is a film market, much as you would say a farmer's market is for vegetables. This market is for um for film, and it's a much higher plane expense-wise just to be there as a, someone with a film. The ind- independent film market is growing, growing, and growing very rapidly. In, in the film industry, much as in the book industry, as soon as print-on-demand finally took hold and people realized they could publish their own books one way or another, um, uh, that market expanded and blew out the whole paradigm of book publishing, a lot of the big companies closed. They couldn't. They couldn't compete with the guerrilla marketers who were doing it. Well, the same thing is going on in the in the film industry. You have the big studios who bring out repeats of the repeats of things from the past, and then you have the independent world that is all creative, all original, all very um, sometimes topical, sometimes uh, uh, just plain old fun and entertainment. And it's in a much more organic place. Not that the techniques aren't wonderful. There's absolutely everything available to a a filmmaker today. I could sit down with raw film and my music, my music setup, and I can put together an absolutely real film right in, in my own home studio. That was not possible throughout my whole life until about 20 years ago. So high tech has really stepped it up. High tech got sounds out of my head mm-hmm. and into the air where people could hear it. And and some, you know, if you're listening right now and you have a, a startup business that you're doing out of your garage or your kitchen table, um, you are the ones that we are interested in, in hearing about some of the stories here because it, these are common situations that arise come to the surface for everyone who's struggling with a business to start it, to get it going, to get some momentum, to build it and grow it. Um, And sometimes it falls apart and you got to start over. And how does that work? And so this environment that we were in, this film environment, had it all. I mean, we met people who were hugely successful, others who were struggling, a lot who were pretending (laughs) Um, but but it was a lesson because when you walk back away from it all, you remembered those people, and and they kind of fit into certain places that that you had no idea even existed before meeting them. I think. But for me, it was an opportunity to test my premise of my film mm-hmm. on people that would not 
have any reason to color what they said. Right. And that was very uplifting to me. It was very affirming to me because not people didn't have to be nice. People didn't have to say, oh, that's lovely. When a woman that I was, I just described the first scene and what the result of that was going to be. And she started to cry. And I said, why are you crying? She said, because you've just revealed my life. And that's what my film is about. It's the idea that people will watch it and they will feel aspects of their own lives. But it's a musical. So there's humor and there's song and dance and there's love songs. And there are uh, songs that move the story forward. And in every case, the characters are growing when they sing and they're questioning when they talk. And the talk is funny. The talk can be very edgy, but it's real life. And it's original. And there, yes, there are. This is not a remake. No, (laughs) it's not a remake. It is, uh, like I told you, a composite of many people forming many characters. And I've had a good life, a long life. I've known a lot of people, and I've been able to bring a lot to each of these characters. Being a writer doesn't hurt. Being a musician is fantastic. And it's a credibility thing. Whatever you do, I had a, uh, Hal mentioned the block art prints. Those prints were so beautiful because when Lincoln Park Zoo said, would you please do our famous lion? I did the lion and they came back and said, how did you do that? It's just something I can do. It isn't anything I really learned. It was just there. You know, you have a class in seventh grade and you know how to do a lino, a lino cut. Well, it, that was the hand that I brought to it was from some other life, I think. But what I'm saying is entrepreneurism is looking at something and saying, I can make something out of that because I have this skill and that skill. So I noticed two of the quotes you use frequently that certainly explains one of them, which is an anonymous quote that every great accomplishment begins with a decision to try. That's my, that's my seminal idea. In life, if you don't try, the answer is you can't. If you try, you're not guaranteed to succeed, but you will learn enough to be able to move on forward and continue to grow and grow, and eventually you do succeed. But it's a matter of not taking the setbacks to heart, but learning from them as a step you had to take to get where you're going. There is no wrong step. There is no wrong answer. There is no wrong moment in your life except the one you refuse to live or the step you you refuse to take or the idea you refuse to form. And don't do that. Get out there and do it. Uh, Nike, just do it. And, and, and there are um, – and, and your other quote, by the way, which this one's from Valerie made this one up. And, uh, I didn't it, make it, it up. Of, it just came to me. It just came to her. <laughs> but it, it, it fall, it's right on the heels of that uh, group of comments that she just made. And it's, without composers, there would be no music. Without artists, there would be no art. Without writers, there would be no books. And the world would be silent, invisible, and mute. And I've always liked that. And you, and you, you kind of um, use that as a little inspiration. Well, it's absolutely the truth. And share it. And no matter what your skill is, it has value. And no matter who you are, you have value. And once you accept those two things, taking the leap to try becomes easier. 
but there is a there is a hidden pitfall in that word try. You can try all you want, but if you if you're going to try, you really have to do it. That means you have to learn everything you can. You just have to be a sponge for everything that you are doing. I'll give you one example with the film. We did a stage play that Stonecom was so kind to to contribute to. That stage play was videoed, five camera shoot. Turns out that the recording of the of the music, the or the twenty one piece orchestra fell short, and we couldn't use those recordings. We could only use the vocals. Well, I had my my computer orchestras, which are as real as anything, but you're never going to get a live. At least I thought you would never get a live performance to sync up with the computer generated music. Oh, but you do. You can and it's entirely doable. I did that. But then you have to take all of that and match it up with the video that it came from, but it didn't necessarily come from the same the shot. So then you had to sync the faces and all of that to the music. But did I have anyone who could do that? No. So I had to do it and I learned Final Cut and I synced it up with my logic stuff and I learned how to do all of that. It took 18 months, but now as a filmmaker, I can actually say I am and I will know what my team is doing because I've already done it. And that's another thing. One last word. You must know your business from the very first layer all the way up to the top. Yeah, I was wondering if you could kind of summarize the... um how that applies in terms of the people that you met at Con and, and what's come out of that. But we only have about a minute. Well, a minute's not, it's plenty long. Um, the people who are successful at Con are the same people who are successful anywhere. They know what their target is. They make a plan to get there. They learn what they need to have to get there and they go for it. They're unafraid to fail. And that's key. So thank you. Um, If you are interested in more of this, please uh, start by listening again to the podcast and then get cranked up or get your friends to tune in uh, for the next two shows. We're going to continue with Valerie and wait till you hear some of the things that she's done. Um, You can get more information from the podcast and it's wwwnewstalk 941 dot com slash podcast and and then you just scroll down to business works and you can pick out the different topics so this one is uh is going to be um the con film festival and the next two will be about valerie's um entrepreneurial endeavors and challenges we thank you for being with us and we hope you'll be back soon